In the book of Ruth, we will begin reading here at verse number one as we uh, jump into the word uh, of, of the Lord. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So it, it gives us a setting of when this story is taking place. When the judges rule. So now Joshua has died and now the judges are now ruling. And that there was a famine in the land and a certain man and remember I always put emphasis on the word certain this is someone of high regard someone that was respected in his country or amongst his peers and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons and the name of that man was Elimelech. Then it says, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion, Ephrathitis of Bethlehem, Judah. I want to pause there just for a moment. We need to understand this, that Elimelech, his name means my God is king. So his name means my God is king. Naomi, her name means my delight. So you have one that is my God is king and then the other whose name is my delight. So now we see here where it continues to say, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Everyone say they continued there. And so we see here that we know that um, the Moabites were enemies of God's people. They were a pagan nation. So the people of God were never supposed to leave Bethlehem, Judah, to go into Moab. No matter what the circumstance was, they were not to go into Moab. Now, to give us a little bit of history of Moab and the Moabites, we must understand uh, the story of Lot and his two daughters. Okay, in order to preserve the lineage of Lot, uh, once Lot and his two daughters escaped from Sodom, they got their father drunk, right? Each of the daughters had a son by their father. The older daughter had Moab. That's where you get the Moabites from. And the younger daughter had Ammon. That's where you get the Ammonites from. And so these are the nations that came from this incest lineage. All right. And these nations became enemies to God's people. And God instructed them, do not go and dwell in that land. Do not go and dwell in that land. And the Bible says here in verse number uh, three, it says, and a limit, excuse me, the latter part of verse number two says, and they continue there. And verse three says, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Then it says, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The, the name Orpah means gazelle. And the name of the other was Ruth. The name Ruth means friendship. And they dwelt there, it even gives it, 10 years. But then in verse number five, it says, and Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. 
So the key point that you want to take away from just those quick five verses that we read here in Ruth is this. They walked away from their promise for temporary happiness. Remember that. They walked away from their promise for temporary happiness. What do you mean? Let me break that down. The land where they dwelled was promised to them. It was promised to their forefathers and to their seed after that. And here we have a people that are walking away from their promise for temporary happiness. They allowed a pit stop to become something longer than it was ever supposed to be. It never should have been a pit stop. They never even should have went there, but they allowed a famine in the land to drive them away from their promise. And see, oftentimes when we are not appreciative enough of the presence of God and, 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 and the awesomeness of what we have here at Star City Church, we can become complacent and therefore make a pit stop somewhere and that pit stop becomes our final stop. Because I'm sure Elimelech didn't intend on dying in Moab. He just was trying to get away from the famine that was there saying, we need to go over to the Moabites and let's go get something to eat. Let me go feed my family. He was trying to do what was best for his family. But there's nothing more important than the presence of an almighty God for your family. Let me remind you, the greatest thing that you can pass down to your children is how to live holy unto the Lord. You can have $10 million in your account. You can pass that down to your children. That's wonderful. That's an inheritance. You can have land. You can have property. You can pass that down to your children. I want to do that. That's wonderful. But it means nothing if I don't pass down Jesus Christ. Because this earth will pass away, heaven will pass away, but his word will never pass away, and I'm going to live with him in the air one day. These things are temporal. Your money in the bank is temporal. Your home is temporal. That land is temporal, but with God is eternal. And so they left their promise to go somewhere just for a pit stop and say, well, I'll be right back. So no doubt, the Bible says they were there for 10 years. That's not just a pit stop. That's not just going somewhere just for a little while to store up something and then go back home. No, they lived there. They dwelled there. They had friends there. Children had wives there. They developed a comfortableness in the enemy's camp. And see, we must be careful because we can make pit stops and all of a sudden we get comfortable and end up dying where we were never supposed to be. Does that make sense, everyone? Okay, let's stay in the book of Ruth, but I just want to remind you of what Moses said. Moses said, the Bible says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It says this, choosing rather to suffer affliction. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, many people think they can make pit stops in the world and think they can just bounce right back out. I'm telling you, my friend, don't let your pit stop become your last stop. Don't think you can just dabble in this and go in here and try this for a little bit and think you can just jump out of it anytime you want to. That's a dangerous game to play. It's a dangerous game to play. Am 
Am I helping somebody already? So this is important to see. It's important to see that the people here in the book of Ruth, and it's, it's interesting uh, because we know the story. Uh, the Bible, the, if you study Orpah, her name means gazelle, right? And we know that when Naomi said, hey, look, I'm old. My husband's died. I can't produce no more children. Don't follow me. Just go back to where you are. Go back to your regular life. I can't do nothing for you. What did Orpah do? She hopped away like a gazelle. <laughs> she kissed her on the cheeks. <laughs> That's all I had to hear. She got the right name. She ran away just like a gazelle. <laughs> hey, I'm out of here. Bye. That's right. Let me go find me a man somewhere. Mm-hmm. But see, that happens here in the church. Mm -hmm. When people come, they experience the presence of God. They feel the presence of God. They even maybe get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. But all of a sudden, things go wrong in their life. Something takes place, and all of a sudden, it's like they just kiss God on the cheek and go hopping off somewhere else. They go hopping off chasing after this man, after this woman, after this thing. Whatever the case may be, they go hopping off doing, thinking they just go have a pit stop. And I'm telling you, you better be careful with those pit stops. I'm a teacher here tonight, all right? Uh, be careful with those pit stops because we don't want it to be our last stop. And now here we are. Naomi is returning to her hometown because now God has returned back. Because famines only last for so long. Dry spells only last for so long. See, some of us go through tough times for a year, two years, three years, five years, and we can't even take it. We, we can't take hard times for short. And we live in such a, 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 a day where if something goes wrong for a week, a month, we're ready to give up God. It, it's a famine in the land. And, and God is saying, if you just hold on, I'm trying to see if you got patience. I'm trying to see if you got endurance. I'm trying to see if you got to stick them. See, God wants people that's going to stick with him and, and not just say, I love you. But then you, when, when you just go off and do your own thing. Somebody that's going to stick with it because once the famine was over, now Naomi went back. She has no husband. She has no sons. And she doesn't even want to be referred as my delight. Now she says, call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. I, I, just call me bitter. Look, look what has happened to me because my husband decided to take a pit stop. My friend, my friend, don't ever allow a spouse, don't allow a boyfriend, a girlfriend, nobody in your family to go off and leave God and, and, and you follow them. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Husbands and wives, uh, look, I, I, I would not divorce my wife if she decided to leave God. No, I'm going to stay with my wife. We're going to be husband and wife, but I'm sticking with Jesus Christ. If you want to have a pit stop, you have your pit stop, but I'm staying with Jesus Christ because I would rather suffer affliction for a season. Hallelujah. Then enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I would rather suffer my affliction. I would rather go through whatever I'm going to go through. It's not worth it because it can end up being our last stop. Amen. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Go to the book of Numbers, chapter number 14. Let's go there together. Book of Numbers, chapter number 14. We're going to start at verse number one. Okay? All right. It 
Everyone have it? It says, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And here's where it gets even worse. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Wow. Wow. So we see here where the people, they've been brought out of bondage. They forgot they were in bondage. They forgot that they were in bondage, being whipped, being told what to do. Hardship, hard life. God has freed them from their bondage. And he freed them because they cried out to the Lord wanting to be free. Now that they're free, they're complaining about what they don't have. <laughs> they're free and complaining about what they don't have. And they said, you know what? Away with Moses and Aaron. We don't care about them no more. Let's just make a captain, create a leader here. Let's just go back to Egypt. We had it better there. How can you have it better in bondage? How can you have it better in bondage? So let's drop down to verse number 19. Look what it says here. Verse number 19. Scripture says, pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even unto now. And the Lord said, now God's speaking now, I have pardoned according to thy word. I've done that. I've forgiven them all the way up until now. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Verse number 24, and it says, but my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. God was so angry and upset because they were such in a murmuring state of mind, a complaining and unbelief state of mind that they were willing to go back. That God said, you're not even going to make it into the promised land that I have promised you when the wilderness was never supposed to be your last stop. The wilderness was only supposed to be a pit stop. But because of their complaining, they allowed a pit stop to become their last stop. Listen now, the Bible says that these were the people that seen the miracles. 
We live in a generation now that hasn't even seen miracles, but yet they're crying out for the glory of God. They're crying out. They're hungry for the, you know, I was so excited to come to church today. Based on what has happened over the last few services, I was so ecstatic to be in the house of God today because I'm anticipating to see what God is going to do in this house. Because even though we left from this place, we haven't left from his presence. Has anybody been in the presence of God on Monday? Has anybody been in the presence of God on Tuesday? All day long, you're saying, boy, I can't wait to get back to the house of God because I'm expecting a move in the Holy Ghost. There's been a hunger within me today. Excited to get back. The Bible says they seen the miracles. They seen what I did. And you've got a reason to complain? You have no reason to complain. I'm able to do all things. You know that. And because of your unbelief, because of your complaining, I'm going to cause your pit stop to be your last stop. And it was never supposed to be that way. They were supposed to leave, get out of there, worship, get instruction, go to the promised land. It was supposed to be that simple. Get out of bondage, worship the Lord, get some instruction, build a tabernacle, Let's go home. That's all somebody had to say. Let's go home. <laughs> Has anybody ever been somewhere, even on vacation? You know, you get to a point, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to sleep in my own bed. Let's go home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody in the wilderness just needed to say, you know what? Let's go home, y'all. Something's been promised to us, and we must have that mentality as children of God. We've got to keep our eye on home. Our home is not this place. Our home is heaven. Somebody shout, let's go home. You've got to keep that mindset. You've got to keep that mindset. This world is not our home. We don't belong here. This world is not our home. We belong with Jesus. This is just a pit stop. Amen? And so they, they, they cause themselves to do that. Let's, let's stay in numbers. Let's go to verse number 29. Okay? Stay with me. Go to verse number 29 because the Lord is still angry. Let's, let's go to verse 29. We're going to read 29 through 34. It says, your carcass, carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward. Boy, I, I would hope to be 19 on that day. <laughs> every 19-year-old said, oh, hallelujah, thank you. Yes, Lord. Hey, every 19-year-old should have had a party that day. You know, sweet 16, it was sweet 19 on that day. Amen. I would have had a, oh, thank you. <laughs> hallelujah, I made it. I made it. I made the cut from 20 years old upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless, you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, except Caleb and Joshua. But your little ones, which you should be, which you said should be prayed, them will I bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. You hear that? They'll know the land which you despise. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms. Mm -hmm. 
until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Verse number 34, after the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall be shall bear your iniquities even 40 years even you shall know my breach of promise my lord my lord it was promised to him see there's some things that are promised to you but if you don't, if you're not careful you allow a pit stop in your life to stop you from receiving what is promised to you it was promised to him what was given to him and we must understand something here. A key that I want to bring out um, is that complaining leads to unbelief. Listen to me now very carefully. Complaining leads to unbelief. Unbelief leads to separation from God. Their complaining led them to unbelief. This is very important because I've heard many people say they missed out on their promise because of their unbelief. That's true, but their unbelief only came due to their complaining. They complained, and because they complained so much, it led to unbelief. And because of that, there was a separation from God. So we must be careful about our complaining. When you're going through whatever you're dealing with, you better be careful about how much you complain about how much what's coming out your mouth and what you're saying because your complaint what you're saying will will be do will uh, excuse me will become unbelief and because of that unbelief it will separate you from God you can talk your way right out of a relationship with God that's exactly what they did they talked their way right out of a relationship with God and talked their way right out of the promised land that was promised to him he said you're not going to do it your children are going to wander in this place. They were never supposed to be here. You're already supposed to be enjoying the milk and honey. You're already supposed to be enjoying the land that was already built for you by somebody else. But because of your complaining, you're going to miss out on it. My friends, today, your response in the wilderness determines your natural and spiritual outcome. It is very important how you respond while you're in your wilderness. Because every one of us are going to go through wilderness times. But how you respond in your wilderness is going to determine not just your natural outcome, but your spiritual outcome. I'm, I'm going to show that to you. I want to prove that to you in the Bible. First, let's stay in the book of Numbers. Let's deal with the natural outcome. Numbers 14, and we just read it just a little bit ago, verse number 24. What does it say? Numbers 14, verse number 24. It says, but my servant Caleb, because he had what? Another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and who his seed shall possess it as well. Because Caleb responded the right way in the wilderness, God said, you're going to come and your seed is going to come. See, when you are going through wilderness times or when people uh, are going through their wilderness times, you must be careful if you, let me put it this way, when you watch people go through their wilderness Watch their response and their actions. Anyone that you look up to, 
in the kingdom of God, when they go through their tough times, watch how they respond and how they act. Because I never want to mimic someone or idolize someone. Idolize is not the wrong, it's not the right word right here, uh, but look up to someone. I never want to look up to someone in the kingdom of God. And when they're going through their valleys, they don't worship, they don't pray, they stop coming to church. That's not the right response. They stop reading their word. They stop speaking faith. That's not the way to respond. That's what caused them to die in their wilderness. But because Caleb said, we can go take this land. We can do this. We can possess this. It's promised to us. He responded the right way. So therefore, God said, I'm going to honor that. Now, he had to still wander for 40 years with everybody else, but he had a promise from the Lord. I'm coming out this wilderness. Hallelujah. I'm not staying here. I'm coming out of this. I may have to dwell here with you all. I got to hear your complaints. But while Caleb was in his tent, I can just imagine him worshiping the Lord, thanking the Lord, saying it's year 25. I just got 15 years more to go. It's year 38. Whatever the case may be, because he knew he was going to come out. Because he trusted in the Lord. He responded the right way. It is important. Quickly, let's go to the book of Luke. Let me show you a different occasion. Go to the book of Luke. We're going to go to chapter number four. Go to Luke. Let's look at someone else who responded during their wilderness time. How they responded. Luke chapter number four. Oh, I love this revival of Bible reading. Luke chapter number four, starting at verse number one. You got it? Say amen. It says, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into where? Jesus now is going through his wilderness experience. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered now let's go drop down to verse number 13 let's see how jesus responded verse number 13 says and when the devil had ended all the temptation he departed from him for a season and jesus returned how in the power of the spirit into galilee and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. So Jesus went into his wilderness experience and because he responded the right way during his wilderness experience, he came out with greater power. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So you can be led into a wilderness state not to destroy you, but to bring you out greater than when you went in. See, some things you're going to go through because God is putting you through it. Now, some things, our knucklehead self, we put ourselves in it. (laughs) We messed up and we got to pay the consequences. We did it wrong, we got to pay the consequences. But some things, God is going to say, I'm going to put you through something. But if God puts you through something, he's not going to put more on you. Then he's going to make an escape for that. He's not going to bring a temptation upon you, the Bible says, that you're not able to bear. He'll make an escape for it. That's what the scripture says. And so when Jesus went through his wilderness experience, he responded the right way with the word. Stayed diligent with the word every time the enemy attacked him. So now he came out full of power. 
So how you respond in your wilderness determines your outcome both naturally and spiritually. And I want to be able to respond the right way when I'm going through my wilderness experience because I don't want my pit stop to become my last stop. And there's too many people that are allowing pit stops in their life to become their last stop. So we must avoid these pit stops in our life. We must avoid the pit stop of bitterness. We can't remain in bitterness because that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in anger. If you remain in anger, that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in jealousy. If you remain in jealousy, that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in complacency. If you remain in complacency, that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in fragile and fragmented relationships. Fragile and fragmented relationships that are drawing you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Neither can your relationship with him be fragile and fragmented. You must continue to have a desire to draw closer to him because that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is like witchcraft. That's what the scripture says. Rebellion is like witchcraft. If you remain in rebellion, that pit stop will become your last stop. You cannot remain in envy. You cannot remain in murder. Someone may say, I'm not murdering anyone. Yeah, the words that are coming out of your mouth can be killing someone. And so you cannot remain in that. If you remain in that, that pit stop will become your last stop. But we cannot allow these pit stops in life that we go through because we're going to get angry. We're going to have uh, some bitterness come upon us. We're going to have rage. We're going to have some envy. We're going to have moments of complacency. I'm telling you, you live this life long enough, there's going to be things that happen to you. But how long you stay in your pit stop is going to determine your success. And what happens while you're going through your wilderness, how you respond is going to determine your success in God. So if you find yourself tonight in a pit stop because of things that are happening in your life, you need to arise and awake yourself and say, help me, God, that I don't stay in this pit stop because I don't want this pit stop to be my last stop. And I never have an opportunity to see Jesus. Never have an opportunity again. See, many people make a mistake and think they can just go off and do whatever they want to do, thinking they can just hop right back in. And then they get frustrated when they're not getting accepted the way they want to be accepted. Not by people, but by God. And so they get frustrated with God. Like God is the problem when we are the ones that stand in our pit stop. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I come against the spirit of complacency. Don't ever get complacent with God. Don't ever think you have arrived with him. Always have a mindset to want more and more and more. Because when you become complacent, you know what? You won't worship. You can't lift your hands. You can't shout hallelujah. All of a sudden, people around you will feel the presence of God, but you sitting there saying, I don't feel a thing. It's because you in a pit stop of complacency. You need to get out of that, get back in the driver's seat and say, Lord, I want to feel you more than I ever have before that's a dangerous pit stop to be in hallelujah parents pray over your children if you see them in a pit stop say Lord get a hold of their heart get a hold of their mind they know what's right they know how to live right they know the Holy Ghost is real they know baptism in Jesus name is right they know holiness is right get a hold of their heart get them out of that pit stop because the devil wants to keep you in that pit stop he wants to keep them there. And it's so important 
not to allow yourself, just like Elimelech. My God is king, his own name, his own name. But see, that just goes to show you it's not about what someone else names you. What do you call yourself? Because that name was given to him by his father. But how does he view himself? Because if he viewed himself what his father called him, he never would have left the promise. If I view myself as a child of God, I'm not leaving my promise. If I view myself as a son of God, I'm not leaving my promise. If I know he has saved me and filled me with his spirit, I'm not leaving my promise. I don't care how bad things get. I'm not going somewhere just for a pit stop and allow that pit stop to become my last stop. Can I give you one more example? I'll end with this. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 11. Here's my last example. Genesis chapter number 11. We're going to start reading at, uh, should be the last verse. Yeah, verse number 31. We're going to read 31 and 32. Genesis chapter number 11. This is one of my favorites here. Okay, it's one of my favorites because I don't hear too many people talking about it. Follow me in your word. Look at what the Bible says. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees. Listen, listen now. Listen very carefully. To go into the land of what? So where was Terah taking his family? What land? The promised land to Canaan. So God instructed Terah, Abram's father, to go to Canaan. Are y'all following me here? They were to go to Canaan. And they came unto Haran and did what? Pit stop. See this? Pit stop. They stopped somewhere. They were headed to Canaan. Pit stop. Watch. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and he died at the pit stop. You see that? Amen. Let me jog your memory. What do the Israelites say to this day? Abraham is our father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, you can call me crazy, and if you want to, that's fine. I've been called other things. I truly believe it could have been the God of Terah, Abraham, and Isaac. But he made a pit stop, and he died in the pit stop. But because he stopped there and died, look at chapter number 12, verse number 1, because it was never intended for them to stop in Haran. Now the Lord said unto Abram, hey, I need you to get out the pit stop. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all see it? Yeah. Hey, come on out the pit stop. 
your daddy was never supposed to stop there. He was supposed to take you where I want to take you. Come out that country. Get out of there. He says, get thee out of that country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and I will make your name great and I shall bless uh, shall be a, and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless you I'll curse them that curse you and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed but first you got to get out the pit stop hallelujah you got to get out the pit stop your dad stopped I told him to go he stayed he died right there in the pit stop because he allowed his pit stop to be his last stop and he missed out on the blessings that belong to him a blessing belonged to him, but he stopped, he stayed there, and died. So once he died, God said, well, let me try your son now. Hey, Abram, come on, get out of there. Because I need to take you somewhere where your daddy was supposed to go. He didn't go, but now I'm trying to get a hold of your heart. And if you listen to me, you'll be blessed. Your family will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. All families of the earth will be blessed. But you got to come out the pit stop. Hallelujah. You got to come out. You got to leave it. You, I'm trying to get a hold of somebody's heart because someone here today is at a pit stop. I don't know what you're dealing with and what you're going through in life, but I'm telling you there's something greater for you. And God is waiting on you to come out that pit stop so that you can excel in what God wants to excel you in. Hallelujah. There's something more. There's something greater. You know there is. And you've been dwelling in a pit stop for far too long. God is saying, no, you put yourself there. You went there. You stopped there. And you go allow yourself to die there if you don't stop and pay attention. Pay attention to what this preacher is saying to you here tonight. He's giving you an opportunity. Don't let your pit stop be your last stop. Don't be 10, 5, 15 years and now all of a sudden we're having a funeral wishing you would have came out your pit stop. But I want to be able to say he was once blind, but now he sees. He was once backslidden, but now he's come back. He was once lost, but now he's found because he came out of his pit stop. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands just for a moment. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on, worship him. Worship him. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Come on, come on. Let's, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Let's worship him. In the name of Jesus. Come on, someone. Let's begin to pray in the Holy Ghost just for a moment. Somebody needs to come out their pit stop. Somebody needs to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Come on, saints of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come out of complacency. Come out of anger. Come out of envy. Come out of the relationships. Come out of it. Come out of it. Come out of bitterness. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Can we press for about 30 more seconds, church? Come on, can we press for 30 more seconds? In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Oh, there's a hunger. There's a hunger. There's a hunger that I feel in this house. There's a hunger that I feel in this place. There's a hunger that I feel. I want to come out. In the name of Jesus. I don't want this to be my final stop. I don't want this to be my final destination. I don't want this to be the place where I die. I know I'm going through a wilderness, but I can't stay here. I can't remain here. I've got to come out because there's a promise for me. 
In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus' name. Listen to me. In a season of revival, the enemy will do everything he can to distract you. We are in a season of revival. And in a season of revival, the enemy do everything he can to cause division, separation, and anything he can to try to get you off your rocker, to put you in a pit stop. All of a sudden, you don't care anymore. You're not loving anymore. You want to stop in this anymore. You want to do this. Anything he can to get you off your rocker, to put you in a pit stop. You better be careful, my friend. Don't let that pit stop be your final stop. There's too many good saints of God that I have known for a long, long time. That's just, I just need time. I just need this, what, whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, be careful with your pit stops. Amen? I love my image because that pit stop is probably less than five seconds. I mean, Because the longer they stay in the pit stop, the longer that race car stays in that pit stop, they're losing ground. They're losing ground. They know. They, they hire the best people to change out those tires, to do whatever they need to do. To be, They even look for athletes, people that are quick and mobile and can do things because they want them tires changed as fast as they can to get back on that road because that's not their final destination. That's just a quick little stop to get what they need to get right back out there on the road. So, my friend, if you're in a pit stop for whatever reason you're in, get out quickly. Don't stay there. I'm in in Hebrews chapter number 11 only because I brought it up about uh, uh, 10 minutes ago or so. Hebrews 11, starting at verse number 13. The Bible says, these all died in faith. Remember, this is not our home. This is not our final destination. This world is just a pit stop. It's just a pit stop. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The scripture says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had an opportunity to return. If they would have stayed in some pit stops, it would have been their final destination. But now they desire a better country. That is what? A heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chapter number 12, verse number one says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside every weight 
and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us do what? Run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse number two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friend, this place is not our home. This is just a pit stop. We got a final destination. Can we stand to our feet and magnify the Lord together in this house? Come on, let's one more time lift our hands, lift our voices, proclaim unto the